back to There Will Be Movies. This is a podcast covering 25 of our favourite films from a chosen decade. This is our fourth volume, the 1980s. This, unbelievably, was episode 90, Top Gun. After we've done with this episode, we've got 10 left and then we might be done forever. My name is Matt Waters. I'm joined by my co-picker of movies. Many would say the taste maker of this podcast, Ben Phillips. Ben, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing all right. I mean, yeah, I, it's now been like more than a week since I watched Top Gun, but mm. it's also like the third time this year that I've watched Top Gun. So, okay. like, because I don't know if you know this, Matt. Mm. It's it's a little bit of a secret that not many people talk about. But in the year of our Lord 2022, they released a sequel to Top Gun. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's doing all right at the box office. Yeah, is it called Air Force? Uh, no, it, no. Oh, God, it's it, something else. Something else from the movie. Um, it's like one of the names. It's like it's like Top Gun Iceman, yeah, or like Top, Top Gun, Gun Goose. Goose. <laughs> uh, well, I've done it again, Ben. I watched Top Gun Maverick at like <laughs> midnight last night. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> what did you think of Top Gun Maverick? I'm pissed off at how good it is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it has no right to be that good. It fucking rips. Like, God you, damn you, it. You go into it thinking, like, this is going to be some, like, yeah. corny-ass shit, and then you watch it and go, like, no, they fucking nailed, like, everything. Like, everything that you could nail that was in the original Top Gun, you fucking get. Obviously, you lose the campness and the homoeroticism. It, it's a sexless movie, for sure, yes, as, our, that, as that is every movie was... that comes out these days, and especially, as you were about to say, uh, Tom Cruise movies. <laughs> um, gone are the days where he's just intensely tonguing uh, <laughs> his co-star. So you lose that, but then you gain, like, investment in the relationships of the students and stuff like that, and... I'm not saying it lost me, but, like, I feel on some level it maybe should have ended when they successfully did the bombing run and we didn't need her. And then he goes on foot and steals a Russian plane, and it's the plane that he used to fly, and then they take off, and probably, and they, you know, dogfight three other planes. It, yeah, it still like they, is it, good, it's just I'm like, eh, we're drifting a bit into Mission Impossible territory here, Yeah, it, it, it very much is that. It probably does go on a bit too long, but mm. also, like, when you're in a theatre and, like, you're getting that one final dogfight, and yeah. you're like... When we saw it in IMAX, it was just like, fuck yeah, fuck yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's cool. Um, it's just, I was like, you know, that would have kept it under two hours. and yes. But, you know, ultimately, uh, yeah, it fucking rips and I'm pissed off about it. Um, <laughs> how dare they? <laughs> I know. But that's the thing, it's like, for, for, we're kind of lucky that two of the movies that we're discussing here kind of buck the trend of how bad these legacy sequels can mm, be yeah. and like the fact that like two of the best are blade runner 2049 and top gun maverick yeah i was gonna say is there anything left that i could do this for where i could just surprise <laughs> you by the night before we're recording <laughs> stay up all night watching the sequel i said i wouldn't watch i mean you could watch all the Die Hard movies have you seen <laughs> Die Hard five uh nobody's seen Die Hard five <laughs> i'm not I have, no my partner has seen Die Hard five okay i promise i will genuinely not be <laughs> Watching extra diehards. Will you be watching extra Robocops? No. I did these two because they're like... I mean, I think there's probably more unanimous support for Top Gun Maverick than Blade Runner 2049. But like, even that, people was... You know, a lot of people were saying this movie's really, really good. Yeah, and also the difference between the two of them is Blade Runner 2049 is kind of a box office dud. And then Top Gun Maverick is like now on the top ten highest grossing movies of all time. Yes, Tom Cruise wills it into theatres. 
um, despite them wanting to stream it and all that, and the power of the last movie star and blah blah blah. But goddammit, he's right. <laughs> Hundred million dollars they paid him to be in that thing, and, <laughs> and he's made them one point four seven three billion dollars, yeah. and. $700 million at the domestic box office. Is it his only billion dollar movie? It's his only billion dollar yeah. movie. I mean, to be fair, like those don't those aren't a thing until the last like, five to six years. Yeah, and like, but even a lot even, of what he's been... I mean, I guess, yeah, Fallout probably Fallout, would have gone Fallout close, tops yeah. out at $800 million. Yeah. Like, you the, have the to Impos- assume the new Mission Impossibles will make a billion. I think there is a new ceiling on Tom Cruise movies, and I mm. think like if they advertise it right, then they kind of like will hit that. But like Mission Impossible was kind of like that seven hundred to eight hundred window for yeah. quite a while, so it's just whether or not they can make up that that difference. But like, I think there is, especially if these are going to be like his last action movies kind of thing. Like, there's going to be a lot more focus on them. Yeah, absolutely. As, as cultural artifacts. But like, I think that's the thing that's kind of confusing about Maverick is obviously. Maverick is just a well-made movie starring potentially our, fi- our like our last movie star, depending on how you feel about um, like Leonardo DiCaprio. But even then, he's he's more of a like critically acclaimed darling than he is like a box office draw outside of Titanic. Like his movies do well, but he is not consistently bringing you like three hundred million dollar box office hit movies at this point in time. No, nah, he goes too hard for the like prestige Oscar stuff that can be quite alienating for certain folks. I would say, yeah. But like it, when this movie, when Top Gun Maverick came out, you kind of go like, oh, okay, sure, it'll do numbers, but it won't do that much. And then it does insane numbers, and you're like, is this how much of this is like legacy of what Top Gun means? Like, is Top Gun this popular and omnipresent in our culture, or is it just a compliment of its crews? It's just a good fucking movie, and like Top Gun has got like some level of like cultural ubiquity. I think probably a little bit of a combo of all of them. I I don't believe there's so much Top Gun nostalgia that it powers it to that much money. Um, and to be honest, like like I'm a I'm a long time Top Gun fan. It's another one of these movies we've been covering that is like very formative for certain people. But even I was like, oh really? We're doing Top Gun like thirty years later. I think a lot of it is just like you know there haven't been many like marquee box office smash type movies out recently and i think probably word of mouth does something too you know this comes out and everyone's like no no this is actually good and people are like what no way and they go and see it um oh yeah i think this is this is it is truly like a word of mouth sensation but mm. like it is it is weird that it's happening with top gun and like it's yeah. a movie that it that feels like the the cultural landmark of it was is boy that movie sure is gay <laughs> I've got many notes under that. Like, and, did and, they know? Did they know they were making <laughs> the gayest movie of all time? Uh, and number two, like the soundtrack, fucking rips. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's very good. Benjamin texted me a week ago. <laughs> What's the best song on the soundtrack? And without hesitation, I said "Danger Zone." Uh, I believe I actually said "Kenny Loggins, Don't Miss." The Top Gun theme also very very good and i like that they maintained the top gun theme into danger zone as the plane is taking off thing for maverick are you a take my breath away guy i'm a take my breath away guy fair enough i think the fact that it plays nine times in a row it it definitely does kind of like stockholm syndrome you need to like it um it's very very good obviously my partner doesn't hate playing with the boys but she has also been (laughs) sorry you're gonna have to phrasing on that one the song playing with the boys the song playing with the boys uh she's been stockholm syndrome into Mm -hmm. it at work where basically they play it frequently 
and sing along to it. So that's the that's the one that like she has got like a, a, a an affection for. Yeah, um, it's probably the most like famous song from the movie, <laughs> just because of that scene being so burned into people's retinas. Um, it's actually not as like you know a, a big part of the legacy of Top Gun sincerely is the homoeroticism, and I actually think the beach volleyball scene is one of the least gay things in it. <laughs> It's got this reputation as like they're all like just dripping in sweat and rubbing up against each other. It's like they're just kind of playing beach volleyball in slow motion. <laughs> like I guess it's like it's male well, female gazy, but it's probably actually not. But Or is yeah. it like is it one of those things where it's like male gazy but accidentally male gazy in such a way where it's actually embodying like, kind of like Yeah, like how straight people love Ryan Reynolds. Yes. Yes. Uh probably. Uh, <laughs> and Hugh Jackman. But only as as Wolverine. Count, you would lose, you know, if you were counting on fingers, you would run out of hands. Um, the number of conversations that I had, at, like, two inches from each other's faces, and, like, <laughs> smiling and, like, looking each other up and down kind of stuff. I'm like, did I you think... literally direct them? Like, your motivation is you want to fuck. <laughs> I, think my, I think my running joke in the movie was anytime anyone was that close to each other, I was like, kiss. kiss yeah, exactly. Kiss. <laughs> And you know, uh, like half the scenes in this movie feel like they could be resolved either with a makeout session or with a punch <laughs> to the face, and it's like fifty-fifty at all times about which one's going to happen. And next. that's the energy. It's like you want to fight because you secretly want to fuck. <laughs> like we meet Iceman with a joke about not teasing him when his his co-pilot is like, "I'm getting hard over this, this explanation." He's like, "Yeah, don't tease me." So okay, there's the bar. This man will go on to play Gay Perry. I think he's over the cancer now, so I feel okay saying it. In, in Top Gun Maverick, he looks a lot like Aaron Sorkin. Anyway, um, <laughs> let's talk Top Gun. What? So, you know, as I said, it's very formative for a lot of people. I, again, I mean, I'm rubbish in this decade about, like, you know, when did I first see it? Because I honestly don't remember because, you know, it's on TV a lot. One of my first times probably would have been, or one of my first, earliest, like, memories with it is... For whatever reason, I've seen Hot Shots 1 and 2 a lot. I don't know why. I just have. And obviously Hot Shots 1 is, is a straight parody of Top Gun. Uh, and I guess some of that, like, I may have even seen before Top Gun. And then be like, oh. Um, do you have a more normal path to seeing Top Gun? No, I think it's literally just it was on TV at some point. Yeah. And then most of my cultural... Most of my cultural knowledge of it definitely has come in like the last kind of twenty years in terms of people talking about scenes from the movie. Like mm-hmm. I don't have the nostalgia for it. I'm not a yeah. child of the eighties and all the rest of it. So <laughs> a lot of it is being driven by the fact that a lot of the people who were writing about culture when I was growing up were people who were born or came of age in the eighties. And so obviously you get an awful lot of that nostalgia crammed down your throat as we kind of learn i mean even down to like i mean i've mentioned it on a recent episode like ready player one is very obviously someone whose cultural touchstones are all 80s things and it feels like that has overwhelmingly influenced what the internet cultural zeitgeist era is and like and that and so that leads to top gun having this kind of like not outsized but definitely bigger than you expect it to be position in the world and so you get frequent references to the songs to the homoeroticism to the to the volleyball and like obviously i watched the movie when i was like maybe like just like pre-teens or whatever but didn't really think of it much until you just start getting this just like subtle osmosis mm. of the opinions and it wasn't until i rewatched it earlier on this year in the up to maverick that i was like one just a well fucking done movie two 
a bit too camp for me to be like this is fucking like top gear 80s uh top gear like 80s stuff mm. but on the flip side of it, it's also like the most 80s fucking movie <laughs> you could possibly imagine like i mean i think we referenced it a couple of episodes ago where you were asking like um I can't remember if it was Breakfast Club or like Karate Kid. Like, is this the most eighties movie we're going to cover? I think and those like, two, Back to the Future, and this are your, are your four contenders, and maybe we'll 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 decide by the end of the the, the decade. But it's yeah. definitely right up there. It's incredibly eighties uh, because it comes out in nineteen eighty six, May of nineteen eighty six, directed by Tony Scott, who coming off The Hunger and then does Beverly Hills Cop two after this. Uh, so you know, it's another one of these where it's like, how did this person get this movie that becomes so big? The hunger could have been a big deal. Who knows? <laughs> I do wonder how much of it is like his brother kind of helping him yeah. a little bit, or anything like that, or like like the family name and all the rest of it. But obviously, yeah. Um, I mean, Tony Scott's got like a great career. He's got a lot of good movies and this thing. Like, I I unironically love his final movie before his untimely passing. Like, mm. have you seen Unstoppable? No. Oh fuck! Like a movie pitched as. Chris Pine and Denzel Washington on a train that can't stop should not be as good as it is, <laughs> but it like unironically is just fucking great. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I love many of his of his nineties movies. Um, I you know, only the three in the eighties up for contention for this podcast. But like, I'm a huge fan of um, Enemy of the State and Last Boy Scout. And you know, it's kind of shit, but in a in a in a fun way. True Romance is good. Yeah, I mean, he's he's got many movies that, that I enjoy. I'm less into the 2000s fare. What do you mean? What, what do you mean? But... You don't like Domino? No, I don't like Domino or the A-Team. <laughs> well, he's only produced on the A-Team. Like oh, okay, sorry. I never was a big fan of Days of Thunder, actually, which is kind of like trying to get the gang back together, like literally Tom Cruise. But, hey, they, they gave it a good try. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Is it weird that Hot Shots... Mm. It obviously comes out five years after after Top Gun. It yeah. is one of the guys behind Airplane coming to do it and stuff like that. Yeah. But it feels weird. Like, that probably does also cement kind of like the position of the movie and culture where five years later you're like, we can just release a straight parody of yep. Top Gun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, um, like, it would be like someone nowadays, I'm just trying to think, like a 2017 movie that came out, like, like coming out now and going like, yeah, we're going to do a spoof of Baby Driver. And you're like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs> People sure do hate Edgar Wright. I don't know. Not you and I with taste, but people. Someone, someone could absolutely do a proper like Edgar Wright like parody movie with like all his like ticks and stuff like that, and it For would sure. probably be pretty fun. It yeah. would be niche as fuck though. Uh, I don't know. I think a lot of people are very like aware of Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, a straight riff on Baby Driver would be like, huh? People would just think this is the new movie. You're like, oh, it's fun how he syncs everything up to music. No, that's Baby Driver. <laughs> um, yeah. So, Top Gun made for a paltry 15 million or, you know, just over 10% of Tom Cruise's salary to make a sequel 30 years later. It makes a massive 357 million. So I have to assume either number one or very high on our box office for 1986. Uh, it is indeed the number one movie at the 1986 box office. Uh, number two is The Little Man Who Could. He <laughs> came all the way from a land down under to completely dominate the box office. It is, of course, Crocodile Dundee. Mick. Mick Crocodile Dundee, yes. What a movie that 
you saw for the first time this year? I no no. I oh, watched okay. I've watched the first Crocodile Dundee before. I okay. think I was just bemused. Well, I watched the entire trilogy. Oh, you were like really fucked up. How they go from <laughs> one to two, <laughs> like. You know, the first one is like all. First is all like fish out of water stuff. Yeah. Like he goes from Australia, he goes to New York, and there's some like funny bits. But like the the last half of that movie is just kind of like, look at this guy not dealing very well with America. And yeah. the second movie is like, I don't want to make a comedy anymore. I want to make like a hardcore like drug movie. I want to make like... Scarface with an Australian. <laughs> And then halfway through the movie, they're just like, oh, fuck, Mick isn't rich enough. Um, He owns a gold mine in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, acres and acres and acres of land. Just a, just a fucking, like, it's a bizarre movie. The, the Crocodile Dundee being a cultural touch point is weird. It almost feels like, haha, look at the funny Australian map. The burning power of Australia as a nation. Objectively the funniest nationality to be. Anyway, uh... I mean, but also like it completely like focuses the entire cultural zeitgeist of Australia onto one character. Yeah, and so like to the point where like fucking The Simpsons, like what twenty years later or whatever, when it does this episode where Bart goes to Australia, like the first joke they make is, "You call that a knife? Yeah. This is a knife." I see you've played knifey spoony before. <laughs> um... Thank you, thank you. Um... <laughs> Right. I also watched Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles, which is about as many bad jokes you can think about filmmaking yeah. as possible. He Pretty... stabs, an, stabs an animatronic cobra in the mouth. With he his... does. Pretty funny when uh, when he locks himself in the cage to to stay away from the lion s at the end, right? Anyway. What about the bit? What about the bit where he um they find a skunk in the highway and all the police stop them and they're like, he's got a skunk. Yeah. But how about that lion bit at the end? <laughs> <laughs> uh, other movies in the top ten at the box office. We've got Aliens, a uh, pretty good movie from a pretty good director who we've already discussed on this podcast. Mm. Um, I assume you would not trade in Terminator for Aliens. No. In any way, shape, or form. No. You're, you're not a big Alien guy. No, as we established. A- Alien 1, Terminator 1, Titanic 1, before the inevitable Titanic 2. I think um, that exists. But fuck Avatar. But obviously Jimmy is not involved. Watch <laughs> Avatar the other day. Yeah. How, how are we doing on that? Avatar fucking rips. Oh, like, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm saying watching an IMAX 3D gives it an additional half star. Like, so much of it is you have to watch it in that environment. It I don't is, know is the thing. It is a badly. <laughs> it's a kind of a badly paced movie in some regards until it gets to the point where like it's just the the special effects and the action and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, this is what Jim does well. Mm-hmm. Um, My theory is that the sequel will be good, but I just will not. I. I, I just don't think I'm ever gonna see. It. At some point, we will do something that will like make you do Avatar, oh, yeah, and you won't. And you won't have seen Avatar two, and you'll turn around to me and say, "Ben, <laughs> at midnight, I watched Avatar two: The Way of Water." Yeah, but isn't that yeah. gonna be like three hours or so? Well, actually, Blade Runner was fucking long, so <laughs> I guess that won't stop me. To be fair, I put like a few minutes of Blade Runner on just to get a flavor feel, and then I was like, "Hmm, this is." This is very good. Whereas Maverick, I was like, I'm going to watch all of Maverick. <laughs> you went into it knowing you were going to do it. Yeah, yeah. Although it, it <laughs> I got started a lot later than I intended to. I was like, oh, fuck. At this point, I'm going to be awake until 2 a.m. I'm going to podcast at like half eight. Shit. But, you know, I make my choices. Right, you more, more movies that made more. money, please. Uh, Platoon, which I've not watched recently. Star Trek IV The Voyage Home, which is the one with the fucking whales. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is... One of the best Star Trek movies. And people, isn't the thing, the even-numbered ones are good? Even number, even number ones are good until Star Trek 2009, which is the first odd-numbered good one. Sure, but I mean, are we even counting them as 
like following that sequence anymore. I mean, it's we do because Simon Pegg's in it, and Simon Pegg's the person who came up with that because it's a line from space that the even numbered movies are good. Right. Okay. And yet, and like when he was on the press tour, and he was like, "How do you feel about being in an odd number Star Trek when you've previously claimed that they're all bad?" Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, and then the rest of the top ten really quickly. Back Karate Kid Part Two, which we already discussed, the hanging dog scene in the in the showers. Uh, <laughs> back to school, the golden child, ruthless ruthless people, and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Nice. Very eighties. Very eighties. Color of Money at number twelve. If we want to kind of like close out the Tom Cruise loop. Yeah, Tom Cruise's follow up. We were sort of talking just before we came on air that like this is the movie that's that is like he's a big fucking box office deal. Uh, not that he's in any. You know, like, Risky Business is very famous. All the right moves in some circles, I think, is quite, you know, well regarded. But, you know, Top Gun is a big fucking smash hit. And, you know, he will just go on to do basically nothing but smash hits eventually. But, um, or ones that he intends to be, at least. But, yeah, follows it up with Color of Money and, and then Cocktail a couple of years later. Young Guns, Rain Man. Rain Man and Born on Fourth of July is where it's like, hey, look, I can act. But you know that's not what people pay for. Um, it's just a fun bonus when he does. No, it. I mean, I mean, we, I think we've already discussed this. Obviously, this is like him trying to find what his voice is, and so he's mm. working with all these directors and stuff like that. But he's like trying to find out what his film role is, and obviously, Top Gun is the first movie that kind of like clicks at the box office. Obviously, he's made good movies before this, but this is the one that like, oh, maybe this is where I want to go, and then. He kind of gets into the the awards bracket with like Rayman is just a huge fucking hit, and obviously mm. Born on the Fourth of July gets in the Oscar nomination, and it's also a huge hit with like 162 million dollars for for an Oscar Oscar movie, Few Good Men, <laughs> and then covered. yeah, and then it feels like it's that like Mission Impossible, the last few movies he's doing with like Kubrick and Paul Thomas Anderson. And then basically, and he picks that, his three best friends and makes movies for nobody else. <laughs> well, he he does his little run with with Spielberg. Like yes. him and him and Spielberg are like bezzy mates in like the early two thousands. Mm-hmm. And then it's basically yeah, makes his three friends and that's it. That's all he works with. Chris McQuarrie will come in and like rewrite every fucking script. Like he's he's credited on Top Gun Maverick, isn't he? Yeah. Like yeah. He, he comes in, he, he rewrote it, came in and is just like, let's make this as good as all the Mission Impossible movies. I think he specifically said he rewrote it with no intent of linking it up with original top gun and i was like that is surprising because it is almost beat for beat at points a <laughs> recreation like almost minute for minute like you can plot where we have our big tragedy where we have our like oh no he's in trouble um yeah anyway um do you think maverick goose and iceman are like banned as as call signs for all pilots <laughs> Oh, almost definitely. <laughs> like, like, sorry, that's a retired jersey number in men's sports. You cannot be called Maverick. Pick something else. Who Do- is who is Iceman's uh, like wingman? Slider. Slider. <laughs> yes, yes, his slider is his name. I, it's just, it's just funny that the movie has like <laughs> the three iconic ones, hmm. and then it's got like Viper and Jester, who you remember because obviously it's Tom Skerritt and Michael Ironside. Michael fucking they- Ironside. <laughs> I sorry, they must have nicknamed him Jester, like ironically. Like, oh, we've got the most dour man in the entire world. We'd like him to be called Jester. Have you right, okay, we might have to do this as a tangent record us doing this. Have you done the create your own call sign for Top Gun Maverick thing? I haven't. <laughs> we might need to do that at some point this episode. I will do it now and you will edit this out. Is this gonna be like the uh, the Wu Tang name generator? Why does, it want to, why does it want to scan AR thing? Because it does a, it does like a. Ooh. I'm solstice. <sighs> Maybe I'll leave this in. That it's just raw audio <laughs> of how long it takes. Oh god. 
that's not. Yeah, it's awful. It's awful. I hate it. But it gives you a helmet at the end that's got your name on it. Mm-hmm. These are some loaded questions. <laughs> An odd three questions. Two colours and then a day or night thing. Oh, it, it, it's Night Owl. <laughs> you got Night Owl? That's lame. <laughs> that's lame, Benjamin. So I'm going to restart and I'm going to do Matthew. I'll be waiting. I'm not happy with the results. So I'm, I'm alright with, right with Solstice. Solstice is cool. You've got like a mysterious... Oh, too many characters. Alright, fuck it. Apparently I'm Night Owl. Um, okay, yeah, that's so lame as shit. So yeah, thanks, for, thanks for that. Maybe I'll put in some hold music and we do... It's a good advert for the service, how long it took me to do it. Uh, I'm Solstice and Matthew is Night Owl, which I like is like a dichotomy thing. Where, like... Solstice and Night Owl is a good combo, yeah. <laughs> it's just with a lame... We're like, you know how there were like 12 candidates for this? And they're like, okay, here are, here are the big six and then you're in reserve. We're like 11th and 12th. We're like Manny Jacinto just hanging yeah, in the background. <laughs> Manny Jacinto who like, did, did you just like get offered to be on set? And you were like, yeah, sure, I'll be on the new set for the new Top Gun movie. Yeah, the, the most recognisable... Minus, you know, Miles Teller of of the students, and he's he's just left in the background. But then, like, isn't Adrian Pastor? Uh, Pastor. Adrian Pastor is one of the guys in in the in original. The original yeah, and I have never seen him in that movie. It is <laughs> that funny. I can consciously remember. No, he's he's in like one scene, like talking. I think in one of the the shower room scenes. Because I do clock him for like one oh, shot at least. Um, it's the Meg Ryan and the Tim Robbins of it all is funnier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously Meg, that Meg Ryan is like literally just about to pop i was thinking like i i mean as this podcast shows i'm bad at like keeping in my head where we are at people's career i was like this is such a low credit for meg ryan i was like oh that's because she's not famous yet gotcha yeah this is this is her third credited film role and the previous two were amityville 3d three years before this and rich and famous like if anything this is like the movie that gets her probably onto like lists to be in things she's also not very good in it (laughs) Like she's talking at random volumes all the time. I guess she gets it for like her reaction to the death more than like hanging out in a bar with with her husband and uh, his lover. Who would you have rather them get back for for Maverick? Uh, would you rather Kelly McGillis or would you rather Meg Ryan? Like, which one do you think offers more to Maverick? Probably Meg Ryan to like have a scene talking about Rooster. Oh, yeah, Rooster. It is cute that they made Jennifer Connelly, like, you have that line near the beginning about, like, Maverick's done something with an admiral's daughter, and one assumes that is her. Yes. So, you know, that's cute. They do, it's so heavy-handed of, like, oh, they know each other, what I would imagine some people thought that she just straight up was the love interest in original Top Gun <laughs> if they hadn't seen it lately. They do that sometimes. They do. Um, that they do. But Tim Robbins is also just funny. Like, yes. him, him, I don't think there's ever a shot of him without like the helmet on and stuff like that yeah and like they make such a big deal of like oh yeah you'll get your rio when you get there and like oh if no one wants to do it i'll do it and it's like well don't you have to fly there so like you know (laughs) that's not a sincere offer is it and then and then it like they make a big big fucking deal of it and then you don't even like they don't even get a scene where they're like oh it's gonna be you he's just in the plane (laughs) sitting quietly while maverick does his very long like Ooh, let me get in the plane, and then they're up in the air, and you're like, "Oh, it's it's Merlin from from the beginning, the guy the the guy that bailed's partner." Okay, 
it's just funny like how how i mean i'm not gonna say tiv romans is like a huge movie star but like no. like when you are the face of shawshank redemption like mm-hmm. you get a a certain level of like prestige thrust upon you yes no matter what happens but yeah just yeah. just amusing that he is like the right okay and this is the other thing i we have to talk about is so obviously cougar mm-hmm. fails like spectacularly in this opening scene of the movie yeah where, like, gets targeted by real missiles freaks the fuck out yeah and basically can't land the plane and so maverick who's been like literally like showing off his like cock the entire time comes yeah. back and like coaxes him into like both land both on like zero fuel maverick whiffs his landing on purpose to stay in the air to go back around and coach him down it's like if you're all over radio anyway can't you coach him down from the ground <laughs> But, I guess it's like I guess like seeing another plane is going to be like yeah, a, a thing yeah. that's going to jolt you into doing something, or whatever. But they then do the thing where like they reveal that Cougar was supposed to go to Top Gun, mm-hmm. Maverick's number two, Maverick has to take his place. Yes. How fucking good a pilot was Cougar? <laughs> what? To like be if, fair. Maverick, if, if if Maverick is the number two, and we yeah. don't know why Maverick's number two, because it might just be because again he's like a reckless flyer who doesn't listen to orders, and yeah. Cougar's. But we like, see him fail multiple exercises in Top Gun. I can believe he's number two. Yeah, but it's, and like it's, Iceman is like clearly like categorically a better pilot than him. It's just and like I think that's part of Maverick is the creeping Tom Cruise is perfect factor means Maverick becomes a god of flying <laughs> by the time of of, uh, of Top Gun Maverick. Like, think, he, is, think... he is orders of magnitude better at his job than he is in the original Top Gun, but it's fun to see the man be good at things. Yeah, I think I think the whole point of it is is that Maverick is, like, the best raw pilot. Yeah. He just isn't good at doing things by the book or like doing things in a safe way which is what obviously the whole movie of top gun is about is about them going like you're doing things recklessly and you're not and you're doing it recklessly in a way that is going to endanger every other one of your teammates which is the danger which is not what the the navy and the air force are about and we need to recruit impressionable young people down there yes i mean Um, isn't that isn't that the legacy of this movie i mean air for air force recruitment yeah Went into like overdrive. Yeah, I mean, it look, they make out. it look real cool to be a pilot. Like you're just hanging out with your buds, wearing aviators, playing volleyball, sometimes shooting people in nebulous a... wars that we won't identify. Yeah, I didn't get a fly plane when I was in the air force. I'm sorry, what? We did like could, like combined cadet force at like school, and okay. like we got to choose which we went into, so like you could do army, RAF, or, or navy. Oh, okay. And I did I did RAF. And... Were you on the RAF like ground yeah. force? Yeah. Well, no, I think you basically just sit in a room and they teach you about all this, all like mm. planes and all the rest of it. And then and it's... then like the the whole build up of it is, is like at the end of it you get to go fly a plane. I broke my arm. Oh Jesus! Like, couldn't fly the plane. Oh man, okay, wow. I could have flied a plane when I was like 16 years old. It would yeah. have been great. Tractor when you're 8, plane when you're 18, I guess spaceship when you're 24. You know? <laughs> like if so... only you hadn't broken your arm. If you... only I hadn't broken my arm, it ruined my trajectory yeah. of like increasingly like awful things to drive. Yeah, Maverick pulled your papers and it set you back four years. <laughs> Do you think Cougar could have won Top Gun? Is my question. I don't know. No? <laughs> His heart isn't in it. He's not, isn't it? I'm just, I'm just like, how is he as good as Iceman, or is it just the fact that like Maverick will always fuck up things, will always end up number two to someone else, and Cougar's just like at the level of like everyone else in the fucking cool zone things, where like no one is as good as Iceman because Iceman is like the perfect package. I assume that one. <laughs> okay, okay. I do love how this movie fucking 
I mean, it starts with, like, almost obnoxiously lengthy, like, aircraft people, like, doing their jobs and, like, planes constantly taking off and landing. And then Maverick does the same fucking thing and does it even better. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, our first meaningful lines of dialogue like oh great maverick and goose as if he doesn't know who's up there as if he didn't order the the mission as if it's a complete surprise to him as if this is animal house and he's the dean being like ah i hate you um fun that it is the the dean from back to the future though yes Um, from a couple of weeks ago yeah and like that starts like it does have that energy for a long time that it is almost this like frat house movie and like oh here's the here's the lovable troublemaker and we'll send him off to the good school, and he's going to be trouble at the good school, and then it all gets very real because people start dying and they go to real war. So something for a for a movie about flying, the flying sure is bad in Top Gun, huh? Yes, it is, and, I, and I, it I sure to... is absolutely fucking unreal in Top Gun Man. <laughs> I have to assume that is so much to do with the fact that like the technology just isn't there because like at this point you're shooting yeah. on film cameras, you don't have. Like little digital cameras or things that can shoot at like the level that you wanted to, you can hook up yeah. to a plane. Instead, you are presumably taking up like helicopters and whatever, and you're basically got this fucking giant film camera and you're trying to like yeah. capture planes as they go past at fucking yeah. hundreds of miles per hour. Yeah, like technologically, like probably not possible. And like, you know, we're talking about Tony Scott's second movie and. Yeah, I mean, although Kaczynski, Kaczynski, yeah, like he's yeah. a special effects guy. He's obviously a special yeah. effects guy who like got his start with with doing Tron Legacy, mm-hmm. which is obviously like a big special effects thing. He he knows Cruise from doing Oblivion, yes. which I I've not <laughs> seen. I've heard it's fine. It's deeply deeply funny that Top Gun Maverick and Spidehead came out in the same year because he does like an anonymous the Miles Netflix, Teller combo. Miles Teller's Chris Hemsworth <laughs> movie for Netflix, and you're like, it was aggressively mediocre. <laughs> You you guess the twist about an hour before they reveal it, and I don't know why they keep making Chris Hemsworth do American accents. Anyway, and and it's unfortunate that that these are the limitations they have, and it it does it is good that we use all those technological advancements to you know have these genuinely breathtaking, thrilling, anxiety-inducing aerial sequences in Maverick. But like, there's just a recurring problem in original Top Gun of you just visually don't understand why one pilot is is like winning and the other one is not kind of thing and mm-hmm. and they're having to like verbally explain why what they did was cool later um yep. Yep, and yep. you get a lot of like oh that kid's good and like oh this guy's good and and stuff like that and but it is a little bit unfortunate the the one shot that i think is really well done is when in one of the exercises you get four planes going up at once and they're all like going at different angles over this like hilltop kind of thing yeah. that's the one that sticks out to me i, I mean think, obviously I think... it's funny when he like you know is flying upside down over the top and taking a picture and all that but yeah it's it's just a little bit visually messy it, it's just very funny that the plane movie the planes are the worst bit <laughs> yeah i think the, the only one of the kind of the action scenes that works out how it needs to in a way that visually like tracks is the is the one where Maverick wins, but he wins by going underneath the the, the base. Yeah, level. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think he that's, breaks that's, the rules to win. He breaks yeah. the rules. That, I think that makes sense visually. We can all comprehend that. But then you go back to like the, the I mean, and I think the one that is kind of hurt the most from the visual lack of clarity for some of this is Goose's death. Yes, is, is very the, unclear how that even happened and how yes. he even died. <laughs> like, like jet wash goes into his path. It it kills the engines. Uh, uncontrollable spin. 
nobody could have possibly pulled out of it, so of course he does it later. And then Go- they eject, and Goose hits his head on the thing they eject, you know, on the, like, the fuselage or whatever, when he lands. And like you're like, sorry, what? They're just having a fun time training, and now they're dead. And obviously, like, one of the, the things that is kind of, like, omnipresent from this movie is obviously, like, a lot of people saying, like, I cried when Goose died. Like, <laughs> it's, like, a moment of truth for so many, like, people who are, like, f- like fathers of our generation. Yeah, yeah. Like, like... I cried when Goose died. And it's yeah. like, okay. Like, I, I think it's a moment that's completely undercut by the, the lack of visual clarity. Yeah. Even if I think it works as like a plot momentum, it's just, yeah, as mm. you said, like the plain stuff doesn't doesn't track. And it, it's interesting to compare it to... So I'm obviously watching all the Bond movies at the moment. Yeah. And I did Moonraker last week. That movie obviously opens with like a big... Um, like uh, a big skydiving stunt with a plane it's interesting to think about how they used to shoot these things where it's like quite often either you get a model of a plane and you do it in a star wars way where you've like got it flying against the background and like you're you're treating it like this or if you're doing it realistically you presumably have another plane flying at a higher altitude so you can get like a steady shot of these two planes like flying next to each other yeah and that's just kind of like how you have to do it but you can't do anything super interesting with the plane it just has to be flying at a steady clip and then you can like just film it flying that way and what this movie does is it tries to like expand on that it tries to get the planes to do stunts it tries to get the planes to do all these like interesting things but again technology isn't there and you just kind of you respect you respect it but it's like i wish you'd waited just a little bit longer to do it and as obviously as top gun maverick proves if they had like you end up with just this perfect example of how to do like flight action in a movie and stuff like that i don't think yeah. any any movie has done it better because obviously and like even and it, it's interesting when you compare it to orcs obviously world war ii movies are not a new thing right. and and dog fights are not a new thing but again they're quite often you build a cockpit set you mm-hmm. put a green screen around it and then you just have people reacting to things that are going past them on the green screen yeah. essentially i mean without looking into it i know tom cruise can fly he loves to fly he talks a lot about how he loves to fly i mean there were rumblings because this movie premiered or top gun maverick premiered at can there were rumblings that like the the flyover that happened was tom cruise was at the front of it and he was flying the fucking jet yeah um over the over can all the rest of it i'm not saying like he for reals he's did all of this stuff and that it wasn't like a green screen affair but like shots like the one where we have the camera in on like his for lack of a better word dashboard and he takes off and you see the boat just like disappear behind him i'm like that just looks like he just took off and maybe they did do that i don't know um and but i don't know is the most impressive part and i like you know i think it's obviously the part where they refuse to identify the enemy or where they are or anything like that is (laughs) <laughs> you know greasy especially when you get into the fact that like i think the navy had like literal control of elements of top gun maverick and That's a, all of this what, shit but the whole the whole issue with so much of film at the moment is mm. the fact that to use any military like signage or, or aircraft or anything like that you have to have approval from the military yeah and so all including the avengers including like any of these fucking things that does anything involving anything that that you need yeah. that you're using physical props alone to you by the army or the navy or the or the whatever like there there is some level of like you are softening this and it's, mm. it, and it's really interesting when you look at like war movies and what they allow and there is a certain strain of narrative that they will allow where like mm-hmm. the u.s we, would never have done an underhanded mission ever <laughs> 
<laughs> it's not. It's not even that. It's just that normally that thing where like they kind of like soften it. it was like if we do an underhand mission, we do it in such a way where like we, the day still gets saved and there's still good people fighting fighting yeah. for the rights and it all. But like you, you focus on the kind of like the heroic aspects of making yeah. a person into a hero, fighting against bigger like not even systemic issues, but like yeah. lone acting outside of their forces kind of stuff. And it's why more interesting militaristic things tend to be things that aren't using realistic I guess, yeah does has top gun maverick and like historically top gun received the same level of criticism as the mcu for like being a military industrialist complex propaganda thing because that is like a favorite talking point for talking down on the mcu and yet this movie came out this year and like everyone was like yeah fucking rules and like um, no one is like I've, I've seen i've seen a lot of people talk about like you do need to just kind of ignore the fact that it's military industrial propaganda. Is it that, like um, it's like so on the nose that people are like, well, yeah, obviously, and that sucks, but we'll ignore it. Whereas, like in theory, it's subtle in the MCU, and it's like yeah. so it's more nefarious that it's creeping in. Yes. Um, anyway, but the the point I was trying to make was I think it's very smart for them to establish a specific mission parameter that's difficult and lay it out visually and go through every individual element of it and then see Tom Cruise run it for fake and then see them all run it for real, that makes so much more visual sense and is more thrilling than, like, the very, very nebulous goals of Top I, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's Yeah, it's like, you are doing flight school, you will graduate flight school before the third act kicks off. The third act will be a kind of, like half hour of the movie in which we're just kind of showing off some of the skills that you had but it's mm. nothing that's been set up outside of the fact that like there's some foreign powers who are acting a bit fishy in the opening scene we have to go rescue a a, a ship that has drifted into enemy territory or whatever yeah and like it's almost it's the almost day like after wish... graduation oh you have to ship off and, and go do real and we're gonna fire real missiles for the first time in the movie at the like 80 minute mark <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's almost like you wish the movie was just the school stuff, and they managed to figure out yeah. what a conclusion would look like if it was just focused on yeah. the school and the graduation and stuff like that. And instead, they kind of go like, "Well, we have to do a bit at the end where Maverick it's got to be real. himself he's to got Iceman. To, yeah, he's got to be the first person in history to for four confirmed kills or whatever." I do like that when you get to Top Gun Maverick, they're like, "And that was the last time anyone had a dogfight." Yes, like. Like literally, no one has had a dogfight since Maverick did this. I do actually really like that as a as a backdrop of both movies. Is that like the art of dogfighting was lost because it just became about dropping bombs and like smart guided missiles and, and that kind of stuff. So there's like no skill anymore. So we had to make a school to teach it. And that like you know just warfare in general has advanced to the point where like people aren't really fighting wars. <laughs> Yeah, and you see that like crazy plane that can just maneuver in a way, and they're like, "What the fuck was that?" <laughs> um, when it does that like impossible turn. But yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I would love it if it were like a little bit more exciting, but everything else is really good. And like you know, I mean, I guess we have to get into the the romance portion of it. That just <laughs> it just just becomes a like thirty minute high school melodrama for a while, <laughs> like a boy meets girl thing it's intensely weird but in a fun way uh obviously the iconic karaoke scene tom cruise can't sing for shit no, that is, cannot. why no, would you make cannot. him do it a cappella? 
I assume that's why they're like all of the others join in so quickly <laughs> to hide the fact that he I can't mean it's sing. good they don't make him sing in Maverick and instead they let Miles Teller do it. Like yeah. Miles Teller can sing. Famously in a music movie. Yeah. I'm I'm happy that he's in something like so mainstream popular. After, like, you know, having his good stuff and then drifting Which, very no, far no, no. off the range. You'll, you'll forget, he, he did the offer this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and obviously, but... for four fantastic, made so much money. Um, <laughs> but, like, the offer, he did he did that TV show about making The Godfather that everyone loved and has won the hearts of millions. Mm-hmm. He's good in that boxing movie, but, like, no one watched it. Yeah, so, you know, the karaoke scene and then, like, him being really condescending, like... <sighs> I'm a pilot. My name is Maverick. Um, that's very impressive, right? And then, obviously, she's his instructor. He follows her into a bathroom. Not great. No, not great. Very <laughs> 80s, 80s, like, sexual <laughs> unenlightenment vibes. It's fine, him. because he knows that she wants him and he's right. So, therefore, it, it's fine. That's how consent works, right? <sighs> 46 no's and a yes means yes. <laughs> But yeah, we get the inevitable reveal. She is the civilian instructor. She is sparse. It kind of sucks that, like, in her first scene in that role, he corrects her and he's right and she's wrong. Like, you'd really like to see her, like, slap him down with her knowledge just to at least establish that she's, like, a capable, like, strong, independent character. I know, that's the thing is she's like, I've read all the documents that Mm -hmm. have been given to me by by the government about how these planes work and based on my calculations this is how they would work and then Maverick's just like uh, I did this in the plane yeah. a week ago and she's like well that's impossible and it's yeah, like it's, it just yeah it sucks for her and like the typical like <laughs> you've got all the knowledge but you, kind you don't of, have you the kind feel of wish, for it you kind of wish you could turn around and say yes and now that plane has to be grounded forever because such yeah. and such a part like came loose like it is now unflyable because yeah he wrecked that. multiple planes in these movies yeah, I, I just it bothers me when you get that where like she doesn't even get like a small win in that way. But uh, yeah, we get the like many minutes of 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 that. What, what and... do you think of what do you think of her win later on? What, even can you call it a win where she like completely like says like yes, you did succeed at the brief, but you've also like damaged all of this shit by I doing. I feel it. like it's very undercut by her saying I would love to say I admire your flying but then they would all know that we're fucking each other um, that's the thing it's like because obviously like she she very reckless driving on her part she could have waited that red light he wasn't that far away but yeah. I guess that, that he doesn't stop the bike then if she oh the hilarious the hilariously dangerous car chase because yeah. because he sulked at her for yeah. <laughs> yeah what a hero he is and then he yells at her for being dangerous yes <laughs> very funny I love that he goes straight from beach volleyball unshowered to her home and then asks to take a shower in her house. And then, like, when she basically verbally confirms, yeah, we're going to get it on, he's like, I'm going to go home now. (laughs) Where are your priorities? Um, Yeah, I mean, I think it maybe goes on a little bit too long, this, and I wish they, like, were able to pepper it in throughout the movie instead of the very, like, at the beginning, it's a frat house movie. In the middle, it's a, like romantic melodrama and then it's gonna get serious and he's gonna have a crisis of confidence and then it's a war movie at the end just because it like i feel it just gets bogged down in some of these things i'm like hearing take my breath away like six times in a row kind of thing it's Um, it's so weird because obviously tom cruise is so awkward in in like love scenes yes with women (laughs) with women in general but like the the love scenes in particular in this movie are awkward as hell what are you talking about that looks (laughs) That looks like incredible. 
It's like incredibly hot, normal, straight person sex. What are you talking about there? This is how white guys fuck. Yes, sure. Uh, yeah, it's real bad. It's got and more of an attempt to be erotic than most of his stuff that follows. And yeah, he's in a film does. that's basically porn. It absolutely does. But obviously that's Kubrick and you can yes. kind of like sideswipe that away. Yeah. But it is interesting that like, you kind of like... Do you kind of cut this down? Because it doesn't really, like, come back at the end. There's no real button on the romance subplot in this movie. But mm-hmm. then I am t- then I feel like I'm turning into one of those people nowadays who's looking at movies and they're like, less sex, less love, more plot. And I'm like, no, I want this. I just feel like it does distract from, like, the actual homoerotic stuff that is <laughs> kind of crackling on under the surface of this movie. Or, like, if you're going to do this, give it a button where, like, something happens at the end, and instead it's like, he he throws Goose's ghost tags overboard, and then goes, I'm going to be a Top Gun instructor so I can be near Charlie. You can and see then... a world where the movie ends without him going back. Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he just throws the dog tags, and it's like, oh, so he just, he just fucked off and left her, and that's it, and he never sees her again. <laughs> It almost feels like they shot it, like, as a just-in-case and, like, asked the studio, like, how do you want it to end kind of thing. What, but then when you get Maverick and you're like, and they were together for six months, and you're like, mm, okay. So yeah, yeah. so it was exactly like we thought it was going to be. And he got fired as a teacher after two months. <laughs> <laughs> and Iceman just spent his whole career stopping him from being fired. Yeah, but I mean... He did know, get to fly some dope-ass planes, though. He sure did. Yeah, that crazy Mark Ten space plane at the beginning rules there is so much so much homoeroticism the line i want some butts is spoken (laughs) by a man at one point and it's about the fifth gayest thing in the movie (laughs) i just wish that this movie gave Iceman an actual arc yeah because i feel like the movie is kind of doing like maverick is obviously a a number one Mm -hmm. and then like goose and charlie have to fill in kind of like two and three but then they give more time to like viper and him like begrudgingly respecting maverick but also having to be his instructor that Iceman kind of ends up in a similar way in kind of karate kid where you're like yeah you're you're posing this person to be the equal to be the to be the the final boss at the end who he has to kind of like earn the respect of mm-hmm. but instead like he kind of gets three powerful scenes out throughout the movie and you're like i, w- I wish it was more of them going head to head and instead the entire movie is iceman is obviously better iceman yeah. and 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 maverick needs to learn how to fly in a team yeah which, re- is, which is fine yeah. but like i i just it just feels like it's undercut in terms of like that feels like the the more yeah it is exactly as you say it's exactly like karate kid where like the legacy of the movie is kinder to these villains quote-unquote villains where like everyone remembers oh johnny lawrence is his his massive rival to the point they launched a five seasons and counting tv show off of that rivalry when as we discussed in karate kid he's barely in the movie after a certain point and like it means nothing and he has no individual character same thing here. People remember Iceman as this, like, ah, oh, he's the dickish rival. He's actually not that mean. And, like, he, he's actually quite nice to him when Goose dies. And, like, he doesn't really do anything wrong. He doesn't really sabotage him. He doesn't really get personal about anything. He's just good at his job. And, like, you know, they, they, they banter and flirt. But, like, I mean, I guess, is there an argument that, like... Well, I think that's what makes Iceman so interesting, is he isn't coded as villainous. Yeah. He's coded as a rival. Yes. And because Tom Cruise is the lead, you're rooting for Cruise to, like, 
win Top Gun at the end of it all. Mm. But by the end of it, you kind of come away and you go like, well, yeah, obviously Iceman's a better pilot. I wish we just had, <laughs> I just wish we got to see more scenes of him. Like when they come back from the training re- exercise yeah. and like Maverick has won and you just hear only two pilots did it and Iceman's the other one. I'm like, I kind of wish you put the time in to show us yeah. Iceman doing it properly. Yes, yes. And like there is a version of this movie where like Iceman like jealously sabotages him or cheats or something. Maybe it's less interesting, maybe it's more interesting, I don't know. But yeah, what? it would be nice if Iceman had more of a more of an individual character than he does. It seems like yeah. they do a lot to set him up and then like he doesn't really go anywhere. It's just like Oh, now Goose died, I'll be nice to you and then we're just gonna yeah. be friends at the I end. I mean I mean like and to, to bring up Maverick kind of like potentially like for the last time in this, like you <laughs> kind of think the two things that really, really track are the Valkyrie scene in Maverick is yes. actually quite powerful, and yes. obviously, so much of that is because Valkyrie has been gone from the screens for quite a while, or, or like he's obviously been very sick and he can't speak anymore. Yeah, and so is that scene... legit? Like, is is he? Actually... I know he had throat cancer or something. He, but I think yeah, he so beat he... It, but is he is that genuinely the only way he can talk now? Is, is yeah, that he... kind of very yeah? Yeah, that's that's okay. exactly what happened. I gotcha. mean, like, I I watched the Snowman last year, and that is a movie where like they cannot show his mouth at the oh, same time as he no, was talking yeah. and stuff like that because, and it, it looks really awful and yeah. it's just oh, it's God, just don't it's just really that then <laughs> it's just really depressing and then obviously in this movie like he is communicating via text there are all of maverick yeah that I, did two... start to get a bit i was like it's because they they credit him right up front like they, yeah, they yeah. tell you everybody that's in the damn thing like ed harris gets a main credit when he's in like one scene <laughs> and they, they're like and val kilmer and i'm like oh okay cool and then you just get like an hour of just text messages. I'm like, what's going on here? And then I guess I completely forgot that all of that had happened with Val Gilmer. Yeah, but um, it, it, I hope it, it, they it, didn't make him do multiple takes. <laughs> well, apparently it was his voice, and they just kind of like smoothed it up to kind of like help with the clarity of it, so it yeah. wasn't like an AI or anything like that. Okay. But like when he speaks, it feels oh, it's a big moment. Yeah, yeah, and and I don't think that exists without this movie. Yeah being able to do that and he plays the the non-verbal stuff well as well where he's just like pointing at the screen and yeah Um, but the other thing we really have to talk about is how fucking good glenn powell is in top gun maverick yes and like like glenn powell is for me like secret mvp of that movie and Mm. he gets the kind of like the fantastic role at the end where like obviously he's been kind of like put in his place for all of this stuff and uh, miles has marcel has been picked as like the the co-pilot or or, or on this it and is then, fun that he's he is kind of the the maverick role yeah hangman is is the heir to maverick and goose uh rooster is kind of like the new Iceman. man well not quite like his problem is he's too by the book and he, he thinks too much and he's not raw instincty enough and maverick brings that out of him and it turns out it was there all along and blah 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 but yeah absolutely hangman is more like maverick <laughs> It's just he basically fills in the same role, doesn't he? Where like obviously yeah. Maverick shows up at the last minute to help in the fight because he isn't he isn't assigned to be flying immediately, yeah. and then Hangman is also that role where like he's the one that comes out at the end to kind of like help them in the in the dogfight, and it's yeah. just and our good friend from behind the counter in Bad Times at the El Royale as, as Bob. Uh, yes. Lewis Pullman. Um, yeah, I assume all those people are going to be stars. Although Danny Ramirez very forgettable <laughs> Falcon of the Winter Soldier. I when the trailers were coming out, I I thought Monica Barbar, um, Barbaro was um, Margaret Qualley, <laughs> just because like you see her quickly, and I'm like, oh. But they were like, no, let's go for all non-famous people, basically. Yeah. Um, and I hope I, mean, they Glenn all, Powell, I Glenn hope Glenn Powell 
blows up from it. Yeah, um, he's he's really good in every once on, which is obviously yes. like a the spiritual successor to the spiritual successor to Days and Confused. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, he's I do really, really want to watch that actually. He's really fun in every once in and yeah, and I think he's he's done some other stuff. Obviously, like as most people nowadays, he's like bumming around TV a little bit and yeah. does movies every so often. But yeah, really, really. Yeah, good. I hope he gets something big out of it. But yeah, I don't know. Is is there much more we want to talk about? I think we've hit most of it. Um, you know that. I guess we haven't really talked about Tom Skerritt as as Viper. Like I think it's very funny that they build up. Like, oh, this is the greatest pilot that's ever lived, and it's a boring white guy with a mustache. <laughs> that's pretty funny to me. I think he's really good in, like, the way that he's balancing. Because obviously you can tell that Jester kind of is more, like, I don't like Maverick. Like, he's but more by the book. he's good. <laughs> but yeah, Skerritt just plays that. The whole, like, I he's fucking great. I love... I flew with your father. <laughs> oh, yeah, and obviously you get Oh, when he's like, this guy's good, and then this kid's good, kind of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and he gets... The call sign they give him in the movie, I think, and a hilarious credit, uh, I think one of their technical advisors is Peter Viper Pettigrew. <laughs> so God, fun. Yes. <laughs> I bet he was thrilled when Harry Potter came out. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but, you know, so he, he gets to coach him through his crisis of confidence when, you know, a guy dies on him and it, it's fine. I don't know, like, there's so much about Top Gun that I think is, like, a little bit shit or could have been much better, but god damn it, the whole thing overall is a compelling package. It's the ultimate kind of vibes movie. Yeah. yeah. Like, because I think, I think that's the thing, is so much of what the what rules about this movie is, like, for, like, I was thinking about this earlier on when we were talking about, like, how the movie goes from, like, Danger Zone into to the Top Gun theme, mm-hmm. into, like, and into the never-ending um, Take My Breath Away and, <laughs> and playing with the boys and stuff like that is... Cheap trick watch, at the end. Yeah, you watch something like Suicide Squad, <laughs> the first one. Needle drop every four seconds. Exactly, and it's like, here's a big song, and here's, like, we're going to tie it to the imagery, and you're like, you've chosen the most fucking basic song in the world. Mm-hmm. And then you watch this movie where very little of this movie does not have original music under it and so much of the music for this movie was written for this movie yes which is obviously like helps it hugely and obviously take my breath away wins the academy award for best original song because it fucking rips mm-hmm. um you got two kenny Loggins songs being made although obviously he wasn't supposed to do da- which one he was not supposed to do danger zone was he i don't know like i think there was one where he he wasn't supposed to perform it and they ha- and then like he just came in and did it in the end ultimately as well my controversial opinion is the best kenny Loggins song is i'm free Anyway, uh, <laughs> but yeah, and and but like it, it really fucking works in this movie. Like even though, yeah. and even even the older songs, which I think are like, it, it's a really nice touch of like because you obviously have like sitting on the dock of the bay, yes. great balls of fire, you've lost that love and feeling, like yeah. peppered throughout and stuff like that. And it's like it's again just ultimate vibes in terms of what yeah. the soundtrack is. I and the fact that it's nine times fucking platinum as well says so yeah, just how yeah. how well this this One of the soundtrack soundtracks is. ever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess kind of playing in the same lane of Back to the Future, where like they picked their big couple of of like pop songs and they they get their money out of them by playing them a lot. And then there's also this kind of like nostalgia for a bygone era with the songs that they're singing or listening to diegetically in the movie. Uh, yeah. A fun thing to a bygone era of the internet for a very long time, the Top Gun theme in my library uh, was listed as being by Van Halen because he used to just get. <laughs> Stuff on LimeWire and Ares and Kazaa and whatever just wildly miscredited because 
That's just how it worked back then. Uh, the the LimeWire days where you type in like an innocuous song and there was obviously some bot or something that was just there to retitle porn videos mm-hmm. to make you like accidentally download them. <laughs> download yeah. some like horrific violence onto your computer. Yeah. It's just, just because... something that young people will not relate to anymore because now all the songs are just there on all the services that are easier to use than, than it is to pirate anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, many, many, many songs were credited to the wrong artists for a, a lot of people. Just trying to think of like songs like 2007 that you would have like downloaded <laughs> and then ended up in like, you're like, oh no, I've ended up with like hard pornography. My computer's been completely bricked. <laughs> I want to listen to fucking Chasing Cars by Snow Patrol. Of course you do. <laughs> Of course you so, do. Who didn't? I, I'm just trying to find some stuff. I was more thinking of like oh, Ruby by Kaiser Chiefs as well uh-huh. was one I remember uh-huh. going around fucking school for fucking ages. Yeah. Um, and you got that one friend who's like, no, don't uh, don't download anything. They'll come to your house and arrest you. Like, <laughs> yes, yes, of course they will. It's <laughs> it's it is annoying in Top Gun Maverick when they they only have the one kind of original song mm. with, and it's a good one because Lady Gaga and Lady Gaga's probably going to win the Oscar at the end of this year. Mm-hmm. But like, boy, I did miss the immaculate vibes of. Of yeah. watching Top Gun, and the closest I can think of to the experience of watching Top Gun that I've ever had is playing GTA Vice City, which is obviously like uh, I don't think there's any crossover on the soundtrack, but like there's part of me that's just like I could definitely imagine driving through Vice City, listening to Take My Breath Away, and just sure. being like being like blissed out and stuff like that. Eighties um, man, what the eighties vibes? They weren't the straighties; they were the gaities. Yes, um... almost by accidenties. Ah, <laughs> uh, there you go. That's Top Gun, I guess. Uh, unless you got anything else you want to throw in. I mean, I guess he does... <laughs> he sure does take out those four planes and then they land and all shake each other's hands and stuff. Yeah, um, that's the end of the movie. And at the end of of, uh, of Hot Shots, when he does similar, they're like, Topper, what will you do now? He says, I'm going to Disneyland. And he's handed the big check. Anyway. Uh... Well, okay, so two, so two questions. What is the better kind of like reaction to the lead character doing something? Is it Karate Kid or is it Top Gun Maverick where like Iceman and Maverick like shake hands? Or is oh, well, it... that's like actually touching and like they get a photo out of it that becomes powerful later. The fucking absolutely bizarre whip pan over to Pat Morita just nodding at an odd angle and then just smash into the credits. Uh, and then final question uh, John Hamm or Tom Skerritt? John Hamm. John Hamm? Yeah, John Hamm. John Hamm fucking rips Top Gun Maverick. Like, for a man who could lead movies, the fact that he's willing to take on, like, the the sixth build Mm. dickhead instructor is. Yeah. Chef's kiss. I think my favorite scene of his is when, like, when it's, like, time to give the order, he just gives it, like, immediately. It's, like, such a weird, subtle thing for me to, like, hone in on. But yeah, I just liked how he's, like, let him go. Yeah, he's very good. And that movie is very good. And I'm pissed off about it still. (laughs) (laughs) That's been arrested on Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick. (laughs) Yes, maybe we should just do it as a double bill. So, you know, that was fun. That was very 80s. We're going to have a bit of a tonal shift next week. Yeah, we've been we've been doing fun 80s for how many weeks have we been doing fun 80s? I'd say, would you say King of Comedy is like fun 80s? Uh, As fun in a way. Eight, we've been doing like two months worth of like fun 80s mm-hmm. and now we are going into a movie that uh, has been quoted as the last seismic event to ever happen to cinema I'm sorry what an unacceptable quote <laughs> well yes Uncle David is here to creep us all out 
And this actually is a movie, so you can log it on Letterboxd. I have indeed already logged it on Letterboxd okay. before we've before we've recorded this. Yeah, well, uh, we, yeah, we're doing we're doing Blue Velvet. Yes, the start of David Lynch, as we all know, David Lynch. Because mm-hmm. like, like, yeah, I do not think like because I've seen some stuff before this, but obviously before David before Blue Velvet, it's like Dune and Elephant Man and stuff like that. And Blue Velvet is like this is where the tone of like the next. 30 years of his career comes from. It feels like, very is... like Tim Burton, where for the first few, Tim Burton is trying to play it straight and like do an impression of a quote unquote normal director. And then he's like, okay, I've had a hit. Fuck you, I'm Tim Burton. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I wonder if it is just the one-two punch of like Blue Velvet being like up for awards consideration, Twin Peaks being the biggest show in television, and then he's like, oh, people like it, and then and then occasionally you get like a straight story in the middle of it all. But other than that, it's like yeah. Mahone Drive, Inland Empire. Yeah. Well, I have some complicated feelings about David Lynch, which we will get into. Next oh, week. I've, I've watched I've watched so much David Lynch this year that I am really excited to. Um, to actually like start talking about it so yeah okay. all right well that is next week uh as we begin our final 10 movies of the volume possibly the whole podcast probably the whole podcast but for now i just have one more question for you benjamin will there be movies i have a need a need to grease up and go play some volleyball <laughs> bye everyone from night owl and solstice signing off <laughs> <laughs>